coffee. What is it about coffee that makes it so damn good? Maybe it's the smell of coffee brewing that brings back that new to recovery feeling that we got when we first stepped into a meeting. Maybe it's the idea of holding on to one of the only things that still works for kickstarting our day. Maybe it's the way it brings us together, another one of the many things we have in common. Whatever it is, we in the recovery community love our coffee. And why not? Coffee is fuel. Coffee is love. Coffee is life. That's what makes Brainwash Coffee the perfect partner for us here at the Other Side of Hell podcast. Not only is every flavor of Brainwash Coffee mastered and handcrafted by obsessive minds who won't stop until they've gotten it just right, but 50% of all coffee proceeds go back into the recovery community to help those who may still be suffering, which makes Brainwash Coffee a no-brainer. My personal favorite is the higher powder. It's dark, smoky, and rich, and gives me just enough kick to really get into my day. Right now, you can go to brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code OTHERSIDE for 20% off your coffee purchase. Clean your bean with Brainwash. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, everybody? I am Cameron. And I'm Willie. And this is the Other Side of Hell podcast. It's a podcast named The Other Side of Hell. Thanks Thanks for bringing us in. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thanks for being here, Willie. Thanks for letting me come back. It's good to be here with you. Thanks. This is this is some 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 days I feel like this is all I have left. Some do you ever do you ever enough. like uh, are you ever like really really amazed at how much value you get from the podcast? Yes. Yeah. I know. There's a lot of times where you'll like listen to the podcast and you'd be like, "Dude, I got like so much value yeah. from the podcast." Yeah. Well, I I do the time codes for the clips channel. And I, I get a lot out of like listening to what we discuss and listening to the story again and, mm-hmm. you know, which we have an amazing one on this episode. Nobody's going to want to miss that. You know, we have Olivia, we had Scott on last episode and now we have his husband, his wife, her husband was on the last show and now his wife is Olivia. Yes. Yeah, Scott and Olivia are from Choosing Recovery. You can check them out on YouTube. We'll have a link uh, choosing dash recovery.com for more information. Thanks for saving me there. And, uh, <laughs> progressively and, get worse. And, sometimes. uh, and no, no, you're good, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Like you're solid. You got a solid program. Solid. Yeah. Look at you go. Yes. You are. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it. Do you ever get like distracted by your muscles? Do I? Yeah. Cause you're so strong. <laughs> no. Cause like no. you've, you've come a long way. Yeah. From your from your program, program, yeah. And now I've progressed. Now you got all these muscles. Yeah, progressed from not having muscles to exposing the muscles. Yeah, it looks good. Thanks. Yeah, we all we all have it underneath. Um, you know, most people do have some type of physique. That's the human body. We just cover it up with vices or or ignorance or you know whatever. Like certain foods would make you puffy. But yeah. Oh, I know that feeling, man. I really, I really like uh, that we're having Olivia on because uh, Olivia has uh, has a really, really great story. And what I really liked about her story, 
um, was to hear her talk and just noticing the progression in her story, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. She talks very much, and I think that, you know, we hear this a lot when we get into our war stories and, and we hear, you know, like where the disease took people, you know, what what had to happen and then what it's like now. Obviously, there's a progression there. But for some reason with her story, maybe it's the way she told it. I don't know exactly. But for some reason with her story, it was very evident. And not only to hear how the progression, um, you know, progressed, <laughs> if you will. I was trying to think of a smart <laughs> word. But also, um, you know, how, how it, how her life in recovery is also yeah. progressing. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's obviously, uh, what we like to focus on now because that's our life today. Right? Yeah. Um, but her story was just so, so amazing. And, uh, and it just really reminded me because I think I can really lose sight of the fact of, you know, how far things have come. Yeah. How just how 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 different things are, yeah. and uh, and when I think about my own progression or descent into the madness, you know, like it it sort of was like just you know like a thing here, a thing there, and then all of a sudden, all at once, boom, you know, it's all hardcore all yeah. the time. All of a sudden, here I am. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> here I am on on a podcast talking about you know my life with drugs and alcohol. It would seem so far away, but it, I mean, it, it, it ended probably the best way that it possibly could, but it's, it started with very little, mm. you know, I, it's not like I, it's not like I started out using heroin. Yeah. You know, most people don't, there's very few stories that there are some, but there's very few stories that, that started out with, you know, the hardcore meth, heroin, uh, narcotics, um, you know, that, that type of thing or, or prostitution, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. where, where this thing progresses us to where we're just self-destructing at a, at a high level. Right. You know, it seems like it starts very trivial, trivial and, and very innocently and, and just kind of curiosity kills the cat, if yeah. you will. You know, mm-hmm. one thing leads to another, leads to another. And, you know, that's, that is the progression, you know, when we, you know, I've heard in the rooms of uh, 12 step rooms from time to time, you know, it's progressive incurable, and fatal, fatal and inc- inc- fatal incurable, and progressive mm. is the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction, you know? And so it's something that, that continually gets worse over time. If you continue to use, you know, and we've watched that with our own drug addiction, right? Like, absolutely. Like one pill isn't enough after mm-hmm. a certain amount of time. One mm-hmm. pill eventually, and we've heard eventually isn't enough to, to kind of tame the dragon, if you will. You know, it's not enough to get high anymore. It's not enough to numb the pain anymore or one, one shot or one bottle. It just continually takes more and more and more to numb the pain. And, uh, and so what ends up happening is, is you start a cycle of just downhill spiral yeah. into that deep, dark place. Um, but it takes time. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because like if you think about, you know, like what what started it, where it began and then where it ended, you know, like it's so night and day different that you can lose sight of the fact that it, it can almost become unbelievable. Yeah. Right? Like really that led you to this, you know? <laughs> But yeah, a lot of stuff had to happen in between there in order yeah. for it to get to where it was. Like, 
for for example, like my own story, and I'll, and I'll ask you for this example as well, but it's like, I think honestly, like one of the first things that maybe was um, a compromise of my own moral thinking um, and something that I ended up doing that I said I would never do was smoking. Uh, yeah. You know, like smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So it's like if you think of me smoking a cigarette at the age of 15 – and then fast forward to 28, where you know I'm stealing people's pills out of their medicine cabinet, and I'm stealing alcohol from friends' house. I'm Irish goodbye at every location I'm ever at, yeah. um, you know, because I want to go home and drink more. You know, I'm snorting pills and and missing work, and you know all the all the fun <laughs> bad things that happen. And like if you if you forget that you know a lot of stuff had to happen in between like it didn't it didn't go from me smoking a cigarette immediately to that behavior yeah, the like, next day all of a sudden you're doing those things right like it there was a lot of stuff that led up to that yeah you know? and i think for for me like looking at that can really sort of help you know me recognize when maybe there's a negative progression happening in my life now mm-hmm um, and I think that that's what we, what we try to do is we try to look at our past so we can learn from it. Yes. Like that's the important part. We don't like to look at that stuff to dwell on it. And, and, and I really like what the big book says, you know, we do not regret our past nor wish to shut the door on it because right. there's a lot of stuff there to learn from. And if we hadn't gone there, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Ain't so bad. Yeah. And, and today, like life is pretty damn good. Yeah. You know, so, so I'm grateful for the life I have now, which means all that stuff was necessary. Um, but the progression of the disease is, uh, is fascinating yeah. to me. Like it really is. And I think that it, uh, it happens so delicately and so gently over time. So gently. Yeah, I like that. That, uh, that it can be difficult to see. Mm-hmm. So what would you say, like, was maybe, like, what kicked off your progression? Uh, for, for me, I, I was attracted to the way that it seemed to make people feel, right? Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize the deep underlying issues that other people were having, right, that were already progressed into their disease of alcoholism, you know? So I would, you know, I grew up in a small town in a trailer park in an oil field town where drinking was prevalent. You know, most a lot of people that we have on here come from a drinking culture and a using culture. And so people would be drinking around me and it seemed like they were having a pretty good time. Sure. You know, it seemed like I didn't I didn't know that there was this entirely dark alley behind everybody's story. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't recognize that. And so I. I I didn't necessarily enjoy using and drinking early on. You know, it's not like like you were talking about smoking. You know, I started smoking as soon as I could light cigarettes, you know, and then I was definitely a smoker by age 15. And mm-hmm. so from being just a really little kid stealing cigarettes from the pack or or opening, you know, and I or, or, or like out of the out of the ashtray or or something like that. Um, you know, and I remember people letting me try those things, but I didn't enjoy it, you know? And so I thought there was something wrong with me, you know? And I remember drinking at a very young age and I remember it didn't taste good and it 
definitely didn't feel good the first time I got drunk and I the first time I drank and got drunk to the point where I was sick Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that again but I wanted what other people had I thought that there was something wrong with me you know the first time I smoked pot I was extremely paranoid you know I smoked pot alone in fourth grade I was 10 years old I've never forgotten it at least this is the way I remember it right um but you know it was in the house it wasn't something that was super talked about but it also wasn't hidden you know and so i was getting ready to go to school found half a joint in my dad's ashtray you know he had this really cool hand ashtray that i remember they i grew up in an era where people had really flashy smoking apparatuses Uh and ashtrays were really you know (laughs) kind of decorative ashtrays and things like that and so um you know, smoking was accepted and, and, and so I found half a joint and I, I sparked it up and I took a couple hits off of it and I didn't get high, but I remember being really freaked out. Cause that's all I could smell on me. Mm. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to get in trouble, you know, but that didn't stop me from progressing into the next one. You know, and the right. next time I tried it was with some friends. Uh, it was, it was behind his shed and, uh, he got it from his mom's stash. And, and I remember, walking home and feeling the effects of it that time and thinking maybe i need to go back and try it again <laughs> maybe there you know maybe i'm just there's something wrong with me you know but eventually i wanted what you had so much that it started to work for me right and once using and drinking started to work for me as far as like enjoying the effects that were produced by these things right Everything took off from there, mm-hmm. right? Then it was a testament and it was a trial to try to take it as far as I possibly could, especially with drinking, you know? And we've heard other people talk on the, on the show telling their stories like drinking, you know, we're not leaving until we finish the keg, you know? We're not, everybody's staying in until this bottle's gone. Like we would push that envelope over and over again. And I've heard the expression, and maybe I've said it before, but, you know, alcoholism became alcoholism for me when I stopped bragging about how much I was drinking and using and started lying about how much I was drinking and using. Right. And so once I crossed that line where I started even lying to my friends that I was using and drinking with, I was an alcoholic by Mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. Right. And then like craving and obsession took over and that's what the disease is, right? Right. Is the obsession. And so at least for me, once, once I put it in, I obsess and then act out compulsively. And, and what I did compulsively to feed the obsession got greater and greater, more risky, more risky, more dangerous, harmed more and more people as it went. You know, early on when I first started doing this stuff, I, I, w- I dare say I wasn't harming directly a lot of people by stealing from a store. Right. You know, it's still wrong. I'm not saying that it was okay. But it wasn't a direct hit to another human being, like when I started robbing their houses. Right. You know? And so, like, all that stuff started very, like you said, like trivial, very innocent. Like, what was the word you said? How did you describe it? Very, it started very naive and, like, not very harmful, Mm -hmm. very small. Mm -hmm. It just progressed into this monster of what I was to feed the 
monster inside of me. Is. Yeah, because it's it's just so it's so innocent at first, you know. But it was still a compromise to my moral values. Like I, I knew better. Like when I when I was smoking. But you're right. Like I wasn't hurting anybody, you know. Like and and it did lead me to to some really dark things. And I think here's the thing about it, right? Is like when I think about it. Like eventually, I would go on to drink. I would go on to smoke pot. I would go on to flirt with other, you know, drugs. Um, and eventually, eventually, I would put myself in a position or a situation which led me to try the drug that ultimately would take me out, mm-hmm. you know, which in my case was opiates. So because I was so willing to sort of turn my back onto these things that I thought that I would say no to already. I'm induced with a certain level of shame because I did this thing that I said I was never going to do. So already it comes with a certain amount of shame. Right. Right. So once I've already dipped my toe into the shame pool, I'm, I'm more inclined to, to continue some of that behavior. Like, Oh, well this shame ain't so bad. You, you kind of acclimate to the temperature of it. Right. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, like it led to, you know, promiscuous sex. It led to, you know, hurting feelings and, yeah. and, um, and, you know, emotionally destroying people along with myself because, you know, I was just acting out. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually into the chemical and the substance abuse to the point where, you know, something did get its hooks in me to the point where I compromised all that shit. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden I'm doing all sorts of things that I never thought I would do. Yeah. And I have no idea how to stop. Right. And and the amounts that you're taking continue to grow. Right. 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 Like grow and grow and grow. Like we keep, we keep redrawing the line in the sand after that first compromise. Mm-hmm. Cause I can, I can relate, bro. Like I, I remember specifically saying I will never do powders. Right. Yeah, me, me and the homie never do powders, and and I was at his house, and he grew up, he grew up in a in a really dysfunctional environment, right? His mom was a biker, uh, single parent. She would bring home other guys. She worked at a bar. It was like she always had a different husband or boyfriend over there. They were usually abusive. And so he had a haven at my house, you know, because my house was fairly stable. Right. <laughs> In comparison, it was very stable. Yeah. Um, but I remember his mom would make him work at the bar. But we could hang out at his house while he was at work. And we were young, like 14, you know, 13, 14 years old. And. Uh, we're hanging out and I had no idea that he had started doing powders. None, you know, up, mm. up until that point. It started without telling you. Yeah. Huh. Right? Interesting. I had no idea. And, and, uh, so he got home from work and a couple other friends had some crank and, and, uh, he, he came in real excited. He's like, Hey, where, where's my line motherfucker. And, and I was, I was taken back. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I remember this really vividly. Uh, and then it was offered to me, right? And there was a choice to be made. And my choice was to fall in line with the pack, right? I never even discussed it. Mm-hmm. I never even said, hey, bro, bro what, about our, what about our commitment to never do powders? I felt it. Right, right. right? I, I, I remember our commitment. I remember the feeling of angst and being afraid of what was going to happen. 
but I, you know that was the first time that I ever ever did meth was 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 that day and I I remember it because meth ended up becoming my go-to for a very long time yeah you know by age 15 I was at age 15 16 I was a daily meth user and I did that until I was 24 and that was my first experience with it was crossing a line that I swore I never would cross mm-hmm. you know just and progressing from there yeah you know and so yeah do you see All that right. today like I I was just thinking you know as you were talking like I I I had that lying myself like I I remember for me it was ecstasy like I told myself I was never going to do ecstasy um, just because you know like up until then it was everything was you know from the earth and natural yeah exactly you know so I always told myself that I was never going to get into anything that was man-made right and then you know I'm in the right situation or the wrong situation you know and and uh, and I have all the people around me, they're all doing it. They're all people I care about and admire and, and, and I don't want to look like this square quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, and it's just so easy to be like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. You know, like despite what I had always told myself, you know? Um, and so I, I have that line there and I, I can see that, but like, as you were talking, I was really sort of trying to think about, and I think maybe this is just on the hills of, of, you know, what you and I have been dealing with, I would say recently, but I would say, you know, more like in the last, I don't know, this is sort of what our problem is now is food, right? Sure. So like progression with food, like I was in a position where, you know, over the course of the last two years, I put on like 60, 80 pounds. I can't remember now. Um, But I think about that same progression there, like what happened? Like, how did I get into that to where, you know, it became something that I was doing all the time to where I was, I gained that much weight. Like, how did that happen? Like, how did it get to that point? And it's like, well, it started with, I deserve a little treat, you know? Sure. And, and uh, I'll treat myself to this. And then the next day it was like, well, that was kind of nice. Like, you know, like two days is probably not going to kill me. Like, I'll just do this again today. And then it was like, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll stop. And, you know, and then it just, it just progressed and progressed and where I would stop and I would start and I would start and I would stop and I would recognize the misery in it. And I would see that I was gaining weight and know that it was, you know, my, my self-worth was taking a ding. And I would know that, uh, that this was not conducive to my self-esteem and I would know that it was damaging and that it was destructive and that this was negative behavior that also came with shame mm-hmm. and guilt. And, and it felt a lot like it did when I was drinking and using. Like all of a sudden I'm hiding it. I'm not telling people about it. I'm plotting. I'm scheming. I'm obsessing. Um, and all those things, you know, for me became very, very familiar. Um, and... The other thing that I'll say about it is like the fear that came along with it when it got to the point where I could recognize that if I continue down this road, if I continue to use food as a way for me to deal with an internal feeling, um, there's almost no doubt in my mind that eventually it will lead to a drink 
or it will lead back to, um, you know, a drug. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll find myself again in that same situation where I've told myself I'm not going to do this, but now it sounds like the right thing to do because I'm already engaged in that negative behavior and this progression is leading me towards this moment anyways. And so the reason that I bring that up is because I think it's important now with where we are in our program, in our sobriety, in our lives and, and our, and the work that we do on ourselves to recognize that progression, you know, as it plays out now, like I can tell myself that if I miss a day working out, that it's no big deal. That's great. But if I miss two days, if I miss three days, like if I miss four days, like if I, if I get into that negative mind frame, like for me, I can really let that tail spin into, all right, this is leading me somewhere bad. You know, this is leading somewhere bad. And I think that it becomes difficult to know, like, well, if I think it's going to lead somewhere bad, it, it absolutely will take me somewhere bad. Right. Like if, uh, if I allow that to happen, but I can recognize that thinking now and at least put the brakes on and say, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to take some action now. I'm going to do the appropriate thing now so that that doesn't happen, regardless as to whether that's what would actually happen or not. I've seen enough evidence to see that progression is a real thing in my life in almost all that negative behavior that occurs. And that for some reason, when I do one bad thing, it's so much easier to do the next bad thing. And it all just compounds and builds until all of a sudden I, I'm banging on the bar again saying, where had been my high resolve? <laughs> Fucking miserable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Miserable. It's like a constant fight, you know? To, it is a to, fight. To remember, to remember that, that progression goes both directions. It's, it's so hard to remember that it goes yes. both ways, you know? We've, we've heard it so many times, you know, from, from different... I don't even know... Probably the Romans invented the quote, but I've heard it from other great people. You know, Rome was not built in a day, and what they're talking about is progression. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also, Rome didn't fall overnight either. Right. You know, and we've heard Jocko say that like it it, it takes a, a long time to build something up, and it takes a long time to break something down. And the the shitter is, is you're right, like. If action isn't taken in the opposite direction of negativity, eventually that will become the new normal. Right. Things will progressively get worse. And it's the same way with your finances, right? Like we could go into our finances and and talk about, you know, how being being, uh, irresponsible with spending becomes justifiable at times, right? I know it does for me. It's Mm. certain times, you know, when... When the money's good, it's easy to go out and and start, you know, going to dinner more often and, and having, you know, more snacks and stopping at the gas station a little little more, you know, than, than I did the week before. And and then that creates a habit of spending, you know, self gratification or, or instant gratification, if you will. Like here's mm-hmm. here's this thing. And then when the money's not as good that that habit has already progressed and over there trying to fight my way back into a healthier bank account right mm-hmm. like, like it's so it's so common i think it's so common for all of us i just don't know how many people are talking about yeah 
you know, how many areas of your life are like that? You know, yeah. How many areas have progression up and progression down? Right. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> it's so funny that you said that because you talked about a credit card and it reminds me like, I think in my life I've had like three credit cards that were like emergency use only. And the minute that I used it for quote unquote emergency, <laughs> fuck, fucker was maxed out like within like a week and a half. I don't I hope that me laughing isn't offensive. No, 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 I dude. Just, like you understand. What, like what would you what what did you consider the emergency? Like it was, was a it? school thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like when I was in school and I Okay, so it wasn't you know, like a pizza. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But like but but then it was like, oh, I'm also like, oh, I don't have this. I don't yeah. have that. You know, all this other stuff that I had lived without. And it was like, you know, it yeah. just became like, it, I mean, it's just, it's funny to me because you're absolutely right. And like, once I dip my toe, it becomes so much easier yeah. just to justify the next negative thing. Yeah. Acclimate to that temperature. Mm. I'm used to this misery now. Yeah. yeah. I might as well. Eh, how far can I take it? Yep. How far can I take this misery? And, and you know, neg negative thinking, negative eating, negative spending, all those things are stuff that I struggle with today. Yeah. You know, those are all things that I can find myself in, a, as you said, a tailspin over, you know. Um, luckily, we do have a program and we do have some, some safety things, you know, in place between ourselves and, and our community. And, you know, with the podcast and our friends that we've worked on these things painfully enough that we recognize that we're headed that direction a little bit faster. Yeah. Right? Because because progress, not perfection, mm. progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I forget that I'm not trying to be perfect here. I'm trying to progress in a positive way. Right. You know, and so. When, when I'm, when, when all of my pins aren't knocked over or, or everything's not lined up just right, I, I like to beat myself up over it and, and forget about that long view and forget about that reverse sight and see how far I've come yeah. in the right direction. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. One of the things that happened to me recently that was really, really interesting, um, was you know I was on a I was on a, a community call that that we have every morning and people talk about wins and losses and struggles and and failures and things like that and we do this every morning and and um, I had been sharing a lot about fear right because I I notice a lot of fear in my life all the time like it's something that I'm that I that I pay really close attention to because fear for me can become very fatal and very destructive in yeah. my life. Oh, yeah. right? Like I can, I can go down a fear rabbit hole and find myself completely off the path, you know, sure. in a completely different direction. And I can get that way very fast and very far. And so I was sharing about it and I was talking about, you know, paying for my past debts and paying for, and not, I'm not talking necessarily financial, even though those do matter. Mm -hmm. You know, I think financial debts are spiritual debts. You know, you can't have a negative, negative financial background without having some type of, you know, darkness on your spirit. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't think you can. And, um, you know, I was talking about progression and how far I've come in all these areas and still feeling the fear and still feeling like I owe for the last time I got high and how I feel like I owe 
still owe for my past life. And, and he said, you know, maybe all that shit's paid for. Maybe you've come far enough now, you've progressed far enough that you need to let your fucking past mistakes go, right? And it was not like, what? It was another one of those things where, you know, perhaps you're right. Yeah. Perhaps the progression and the positive uh, direction has put me in a place where all I have to do now is work on current mistakes. Mm. Hmm. What I feel like, I feel like that's probably been expressed to you a number of different times <laughs> in, a, in a couple of different ways, I dare say. Probably. Yeah. Maybe it's just time that I, that I heard it, you know, but what, what I can definitely do from here is either progress forward or progress backward. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what's, that's what's so great about the opportunity that we have before us is that progression is definitely a choice when I'm not in the obsession. Mm. Okay. And so, and the reason that I bring that up is that, uh, you know, we're going to deal with situations that kind of hit us from left or right, you know, come out of nowhere. We're going to have things that happen unexpectedly and we're going to have a choice on how to react to that thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I choose to react negatively to a new bill or a craving or something like that, once I, once I bust into the negative action of that, like, let's say I get a bill that I wasn't expected that I don't necessarily have the money to pay right now. So I live in that fear, right? So the bill progresses to fear. The fear progresses to craving. If, if I choose to fall into that craving now, the fear progresses to craving, craving progresses to use, mm-hmm. the use progresses to obsession. Right. And once I'm in the obsession, I'm fucked. Yep. Then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the disease for mm-hmm. me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I can also go the other way. I can get the bill. <laughs> I could choose to observe it as mine, you know, like, which is something that I used to never do. Like, that ain't my bill. I, I, I shouldn't have Not to pay. Not my fault. What's this about? I, I shouldn't have to pay that. Yeah. Yeah. This should be free we, I, or whatever. I mean, insert excuse here, you know, but if I, if I own it, right. And then start looking for a solution and then the money always comes. It always has. Right. For me, mm-hmm. like I've never gotten through anything that I haven't gotten through. And then on the other side of that, it progresses from, 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 the bill to the fear to the choice to the solution to the outcome of accomplishment and and high self-esteem and 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 you know it, it goes the other way yeah yeah well and i think that that's important to to remember too like as we talk about progression is that you know like we're not we're not here to just reflect on the progression that led us into the disease you know like we want to talk about the progression that 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 is our lives today like yeah. as we progress in the solution yeah right? like because in the same way as as we i didn't go from smoking to immediately stealing money pills and whatever I didn't go from one day sober to what my program is today, you know? So like a lot of stuff had to happen in between that. I had to take the appropriate action at the appropriate time. And like, it wasn't always easy to know what that was, but I have a community 
a group of people around me, people that have what I want that I can look up to and I can ask them who, who have dealt with these things. And it's important that I take advantage of those tools. Like I can have all the fucking tools in the world, but they'll be in my tool bag <laughs> yeah. for as long as I'll keep them there. You know, like I feel like I have a lot of great, beautiful and wonderful resources today that yeah. I can choose to ignore on any, <laughs> at any moment, you know, like, yeah. and, and that's the disease working today. Like that's the disease in my life today. It's like, man, I have to pick them up. Yeah. I have to, you know, like, I, I mean, odds are like, I know most of the time nowadays that it's not going to kill me if I don't, but it will progress. Right. right. Like, like, yeah, it might not kill me today, but tomorrow will be easier to disregard. It will be easier to disregard the next day, and eventually it might. It could lead to a drink. A drink would lead to death. Yeah. You know, or or something worse than death, which is just living a fucking horrible, yeah, miserable like life. Choosing to drink again and then not being able, like, like not being able to get sober again after mm-hmm. a drink. Fuck. Man, I hear about people that like went out after you know a good chunk of time, and uh, and I'm. You know, I'm glad they came back. I, 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 I don't know how, how hard it would be to like, you know, go out after like 13 years and then, and then come back, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know if I, I have I it in find me. out. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to find out. Yeah. That's great. Like, I love the way you put that, man. And it makes me think like what it, it, it we got to track this stuff. Hopefully, you know, like having progression is great, but like not being able to see it would what's the point so like what are some of the how do we track our progression like how do we like look back and look forward and know where we're at with this stuff like, like what's, what's a way to measure it yeah what do you do yeah i i don't i don't i don't i don't <laughs> i think you probably do well i mean it depends on what 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 it is you're going after right like, uh, yeah like i mean just it in wellness i guess in general like yeah. how do we know that how how do you recognize whether you're progressing forward or progressing backward? Like, well, I, is- I think that it's important on occasion, often maybe, um, to actually t- stop, stop, and look, and look at what's happening and take a realistic view and a realistic angle of, of what is currently happening oh. um, backward, you know, like... And, and, and see, like, I think that sometimes like we did in our program, you know, like by taking a step four or even a, a very, very thorough step one, you know, we, we look at how much we're drinking. We look at the evidence. We look at, you know, all those different ways um, that we tried to quit and couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, um, in order to put the evidence in front of ourselves that we have a problem with that you yeah. know and we can see very clearly that the, the progression in that instance you know so i think that in the same way we have to take a realistic view of our current behaviors our current actions and see you know have we made progress are we progressing yeah. in a positive way are we progressing in a negative way like it depends on what the goal is i think to, to get a specific answer to, to how to track individually. But I think the important thing is to, to take an honest and realistic approach to what is currently happening now and what was currently happening then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, it's so important to have, like, like you said, the goalpost and then a measuring stick 
and then I have to remember to like step back and get unemotionally attached to where I'm at, mm, right? Because beautiful. I can get I can get really wrapped up in feeling negative mm. or f- not not feeling my progression, right? Like especially with like my workouts now and and things like that, you know, finances again, you know, um whatever, you know, whatever uh a grandeur thing I thought that I should have by now or whatever. I'll get really attached to a, an emotion about something or if I complete a goal, you know, yeah. like the Spartan or, or a major race is a big one or any of that stuff. Like I'll think of that. I need to feel a certain way about a certain thing. Like, like, well, here I am in life. I should feel this or I don't feel this, even though I'm, I'm checking all the boxes and I'm doing all the things in my program I may not feel like super jazzed about it one day mm-hmm. and then I'll take that as a step backwards, you know? And, and so it's important for me to remember to not be emotionally attached mm. to my progression in the right direction. But I guess that maybe I need to be emotionally attached to the my, right sort of emotion. Right? Yeah. Like, like going backwards. Like I need to like have that fear of where that's going to take me, like what you were talking about and pay attention to, to where I'm going. Cause again, you know, we have this brain evolved to keep us alive mm-hmm. with a mind that wants to kill us. Right. Can't quite understand it, but it's there. Yeah. And, and, and the resistance and the voice and, and all those things that show up every day, trying to get me to slack on my program, trying to get me to slack on my life and not show up and all those things. And even though I don't quite understand it, I know that it's important for me to fight against it and keep moving forward in a direction that I bring value to the people that love me. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, I got to do this. And then, you know, like when, when we started today, like when, when I got here, you know, I got here and we were talking a little bit before the show and I was like, man, I'm just, I'm feeling unvalued, unvaluable. I'm feeling unappreciated. I'm feeling nervous and unsure of myself, like all those things. Mm -hmm. Like, but it doesn't mean that anything negative is happening. It's just, I feel that way. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm doing all the wrong shit. Yeah. Or that all those things are happening or that they're even true. Right. Yeah. And I think (laughs) that that's the important thing about, well, one of the, one of the things that I love about what you just said is that, you know, we can, we can get into this mode where we think that, you know, I'm slacking on my program, I'm slacking on this, and so it's a step backwards. But the other thing is, is that I have to really ask myself, is that even true? <laughs> because seriously, like, I will make shit up, right? Like, yeah. my mind will make shit up to make me feel bad about it. Like, it, like asking myself if it's actually true is such a big part of my program. Like not only about like, you know, how I'm feeling about myself, but how I'm feeling about other people. Like it can be really easy for me to misinterpret or allow myself to feel a certain way about somebody's actions and think that those actions are being taken against me because they feel this way or because, you know, I've done this or, or whatever, like basically I'm assuming. Right. Right. So, I have to ask myself constantly, like, is that even true? 
is yeah. that reality, you know? And oftentimes, most of the time, it is not, you yeah. know? And so it's really easy for me to get lost in, you know, thinking that I'm moving backwards based on on assumptions. And that is such a big part of, of my life today and how I how I move forward, how I progress is remembering that I have to base how I'm feeling on what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that I'm not going to feel a certain way based on those assumptions. But when that happens, like you said this morning, I've just got to recognize that that's happening. And I think you even said that this morning. Yeah. You know? Like you pointed all those things out and then you said, doesn't mean that's what's happening. <laughs> that's how I'm feeling. Doesn't mean it's true. Right. It's probably a bunch of bullshit. It, and it is. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime. And and that's the beauty of the progression of wellness. Right. right? Because there was a time that I, I would have felt that way. And it would have been absolutely true no matter what you told me or showed me. And it would have been a good opportunity to, yep, exactly. Yep, take drink a drink. Or, or whatever the case Drink is. at you. Yep. I'm going to go eat at you. Man, yeah. I've had those thoughts recently. Not drink at you, but eat at you. you I'm going to go eat at you. And, and I really was able to step back and be like, okay, I think I'm just being a little bitch. <laughs> Which sometimes you need to, yeah. you know, say that. Yeah, I think I think that... Right now, what is happening is I'm being overly sensitive because my mind wants to find any excuse it can to justify the next food yeah. or the next binge nah. or the next, you know, unhealthy behavior. So, you know, like I probably don't need to eat over this. I probably don't need to eat at that individual. I can probably just take a little bit of time yeah, and then have a rational conversation about it. Yeah. Know, uh, which I did. Without self-destructing. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, because it you know it doesn't help anything. No, no, it doesn't. Which, I mean, brings me to a, a point where I feel like this conversation has progressed nicely into a segue for introducing Olivia's story. Yeah, so I mean, Olivia's story was great because she gets into this. You know, she talks she talks a lot about what happened, where it started. And, and for her, you know, like there was some, some stuff with her childhood. It almost felt like a very, um, just sort of perpetuating the cycle. For yeah. her, right. Like she says in her story that she had the childhood that was reflective of her parents' childhood yeah. with alcoholism and abuse. And, uh, and so sort of that's her starting point. Yeah. You know, that's where things started. And then obviously because she's on the show, you guys are familiar with the show. You're familiar with the people that we have as war stories. You can probably guess that eventually that led her to a very, very dark path. Yeah. Um, you know, where she was, you know, using drugs and alcohol in order to cope with life. And the other thing I like about her story is that then she gets into the progression of the positive. Yes. You know? She finally found herself in a position where she was able to get sober. And then she talks about all the good things that have happened since then and how her program has progressed and how, you know, she's now taking these steps to be proactive in this way in order to maintain a healthy sobriety. Yeah. You know? And so it was a beautiful example yeah. of progression in both both ways, you know, and so I think uh, I think it's worth hearing. I'm excited for everybody to listen to it. Me so too. Without that, uh, or with for, without further ado, <laughs> without further let's ado, let's give it up for Olivia. This is Olivia's war story. Hey guys, I'm Olivia, and I'm a grateful recovering addict. So my childhood reflected both of my parents' childhoods. 
Um, my father grew up in a verbal, mental, emotional, and physical abuse household that also reflected into mine. And then my mother grew up in a very functioning alcoholic home that also reflected into my childhood as well. So I was raised in the same atmospheres that they were. Um, broke a lot of cycles. <laughs> um, so from there, like at my dad's house, my brother is three years older than me, um, and he allowed his friends to stay over at night. Um, my mom wasn't really about that because she has a daughter and everything. My mom was sexually abused in her childhood. So, that being said, they all stayed at my dad's. So when I was going to my dad's house, my one of my brother's friends started taking advantage of me around 10 years old. Um, and I honestly had no idea what was going on. I actually thought that I was in love with him. Um, like a year or two later down the road, he told another one of my brother's friends about it. Um, so he also got involved from there it was very emotionally mentally um verbally just abusive um and i kept to myself from there on out at the age of 13 14 years old i was so pissed off from that um i became a spitfire and i moved into my mom's house so yeah so completely different my brother lived at my dad's and i just lived at my mom's um so i pretty much grew up like an only child in a way um, so from there, growing up in a functioning alcoholic's home, it's very normal. Um, the bills are paid, the house is warm, there's food, um, you don't need anything, right? It's very normal to drink at the end of the day, whether you're mad, happy, sad, glad, woo, anything, right? So, you do what you're taught, right? So. Just like my parents, I was picking up on their habits and their values and their morals. Um, and that's how I was creating my life. That's how I was creating the foundation of what would start my life. With that, um, I started drinking at 16. I was actually a really good kid. I was only drinking the summer. Um, the next summer, I started drinking and driving. I was a DDDD, the designated drunk driver. Um, it just seemed normal, like, this is a normal thing to do. Um, so from there, I actually didn't like drugs. I graduated high school at 18. I started smoking pot for the first time. Um, I became a really big pothead. I had a zong under the front seat of my car. It's all very normal. Um, and my mom didn't care. She knew all of these things. She thought it was fun. It was cool. Um, and it wasn't a phase that I grew out of, okay? Um, at 19, I was introduced to the wrong crowd and I hung out with them and they were doing painkillers and they kept breaking me a line and they'd be like Olivia do you want to try this and for like three four days I'm like no I'm good I'm good curiosity killed the cat um obviously I ended up trying it and from that day forward I always put a substance in my body for many 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 long years um marijuana got thrown out the door let's say that um, and drinking didn't like I hit the drug scene and I took off with it um, Due to my painkiller addiction. I started selling crack cocaine to Support it. Um, I never used it. I was just selling it. I Had no idea what I was doing, but I was doing what I had to do um, I was making good money. I met the town drug dealer at this point. We became engaged um and we were running the streets together um 
We went out. Oh my goodness. We were running the streets together, and then we became bad drug dealers, right? Uh, we couldn't supply our own demand. We were using our own stuff. Um, and at this point, I progressed to smoking heroin when I met him. And then I went to, like, shooting heroin within, like, five days of that. Um, so, from there, we became bad drug dealers. Um, he was selling crack and heroin, I was selling crack. Never used crack for many years after, and then, um, I was using heroin. So, we were using our own supply, and we just got bad at it. So, this is where I took it into my hands as my responsibility, and I went and became a stripper. We lived in an attic of my bartender's um, house. We crashed my vehicle. We did, we just, the lifestyle gets crazy and it goes fast. So from there, um, it's, it's all fun until it's not fun anymore. You know, and the drugs work until they don't work anymore. And I found myself when I was stripping that I the drugs stopped working. I was feeling everything. I was so frustrated, I was confused, I was scared, I was mad, I was pissed off. So much anger built inside of me. Um, so I had to use more and more and more and more and more. And the drugs stopped working, okay? They stopped working. Um, so this was like one of my wake up calls. I was dancing and these guys are throwing money everywhere and then I, was picking my money off the floor right in front of these men and my act of addiction gave validation to every horrible thing that happened to me in my childhood it told me why i'm a piece of shit it told me i'm just a girl you know you're a sex object many different things my act of addiction validated the abuse in my childhood um and i think that's what made it so hard. It's like I deserve these things. Like I was never going to live past these things that were written on my head that somebody else chose for me. I didn't choose these things, right? Like someone else chose that I would just be an object for men. So I ended up going home after that experience at the strip club and my fiance came with me. Um, long story short, short, it did not last long. We went back out. Um, I then became a prostitute because that's what makes sense. I'm already used to being an object. Um, a lot of validation for why that is true. Um, and then things just got bad, got bad fast and quick. Um, I started smoking crack I was doing um I did more for crack than I ever would heroin at this point heroin was just the maintenance kind of thing not to get sick I did not get high off heroin anymore there was no absolutely no point to heroin other than not getting sick um I was shooting grams at a time I'm 411 and I was like 90 pounds um crazy life um I was on a suicide mission that I never completed so I'm very grateful to be alive today um, and then at one point I was, you know, during that time we were homeless, living out of a building, um, got caught up with our charges, you know, back when we were selling drugs and stuff in our hometown when I was selling crack to support it and then got with him, 
um, got arrested for it finally, like a year later, year and a half, almost two maybe. Um, yeah, that was a blessing. And from there, I'm telling you, like, my war story is not something that I think of often, to be honest. Um, always play the tape through, um, remember where you came from, be humble. But like with everything that ties together, I don't, that doesn't define me anymore today. Um, working my four step was very different from anybody else's four step. Um, it was about what happened to me, you know, like what are the things that happened to me and how did it form me as a person? Fear, ego, insecurity, um, just so many different things. And I get to, and that everything makes sense. The fifth step, when you finally see yourself in black and white, it's a, such a healing process. You finally get to move forward and move on with your life. Um, so yeah, you know, I've, I've been through a lot of it. I've been in horrible situations, um, dealt with many different things in that lifestyle. Um, a lot of near-death experiences, not just with drugs, but with the lifestyle itself. So, yeah, I've, I've been through it. Um, but the great thing is, is I went to jail for 90 days, then I went to rehab for not another 90 days, so by the time I came home I was already six months sober. And God had to get me into a place by myself long enough to, so I could realize the fear of the unknown is less scary than the known. Like, the known was the lifestyle I was living before, and the unknown is recovery. So I give it my shot, and when I do something, I do it big, right? Like, I never had misdemeanors, and I have five Class B felonies, right? Like, I do everything to its maximum. Um, and with saying that, you know, like, mental health is a huge part of my recovery. Um, I wasn't diagnosed until a year and a half into my recovery. Um, and it's a blessing. You are not your diagnosis, you are not your past, but learning who you are is a beautiful healing experience. Um, so accomplishments, like, everything I put this body through, I'm a mother, you know, I birthed the child. Um, the accomplishments that I've had in just financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and just like, like jobs, you know, like everything, Recovery gives you like completely different lives if you allow it, you know, if you step in and you say I don't want to live this way anymore What do I need to do you change everything absolutely everything if you can change your name change it, you know, like I I went by somebody else on the street, you know So the only way someone would recognize me is probably by tattoos like I look completely different I have the same tattoos, but look completely different my name's something like I Don't know just change everything, you know, um what else do I want to say? Oh, so when I came home, I was a felon. I've never been in trouble before. All of this is very new. You know, I ran years into my active addiction, um, six to be exact. And, yeah, so all of that, like, I never knew consequence. I never knew trouble or anything like that. So when I came home, I was trying to get a job. And it's a very rural area. Um, and I couldn't get a job. Nobody would hire me. And God opened that door. He actually, um, somebody that knows my mom was my mom talked very highly about me and my recovery um to this person so he messaged like the hotel boss and they got me my old job back that i should have never gotten and i was using painkillers like way way back when 
um, before everything got crazy. <laughs> well, you know. And so I got my job back, and you know what I did with that? I woke up every day early. I took an hour and a half to myself, meditating, reading. I went to work an hour before I was supposed to start my shift, and I would sit there, and I'd read some more. And I'd have my coffee, um, and I always asked for more work because um, I needed it. I needed, I needed the accountability, I needed the responsibility. I did all of that, and I pushed myself, and I kept going. And eventually that led to, um, oh my goodness, why can't I think of it? Promotions, raises, all that stuff. I ended up working two jobs for two weeks straight because my one job was cutting my hours. I needed a winter job because it's like a vacation place. So I got the only store in town to hire me and... Um, from there I became assistant manager. They put me into store manager classes. Um, everything went really well. I met my fiance in the rooms as well, which is kind of a crazy story. Um, my sponsee knew him and we were bringing him back to his halfway house. And when we let him out, I was creepy, right? <laughs> And I rose out the window and I was like, hey, you're kind of cute. And he goes, yeah, I want my number. And he was, you know, punching in the code. And I was like, yeah. And he just walked inside. And I was like, what? And he goes, and then he pops back out and he gives it to me. You know, and today we laugh about it. He goes, well, nobody's ever treated you that way, huh? And I was like, no. And then he was like, no, I was so nervous. You know, it's funny. So um, we both had time under our belts. Um... We are not each other's recovery. We have our own recovery. Um, we also have made our own YouTube channel that shares people's stories as well. We have a mental health series, a family series. Um, but we don't like, we help build each other up and we're always very supportive of each other. But we are not each other's recoveries. Um, and that's very known. So, yeah. Um... There's so many accomplishments. There are, and they don't stop. I got my certificate of relief from the felony. Um, my probation officer is, like, my biggest advocate. Um, I went to school. I love learning. I love learning. I learn. I love to learn about, like, everything. Um, we started our own brand and our own business on top of the YouTube channel. It's pretty much all, well, it is linked together. Um, but we have so much in store for that, so much to come. We are very excited, and we're just very happy that we were able to interact and link up together. It's incredible what you and Willie are doing, Willie and Cameron. Um, I love what you guys are bringing to the recovery community, and I greatly appreciate you allowing me to come on and share my story today. So... <laughs> So, yeah, thank you both so much for this. I greatly appreciate it. And anybody out there watching this, keep on keeping on because you are worth it. You are worth it. You are enough. And you are resilient as fuck. I don't know if they'll leave that in there. But <laughs> you are. So, come check us out at Choosing Recovery, too. And have a great day, guys. Damn, thanks, Olivia. Yeah, I, I think we'll leave that yeah. F word in there. Yeah, probably. We are resilient as fuck. Yes, we? thank you. Because I, I feel like you were telling me that personally. And 
people are worth it, you know, for sure. Hell yeah. We always say it on this show. Yeah. That was great. What did you think about Olivia's yeah, story, I loved man? It. You know, I, I appreciate her putting herself out there because I know that a lot of times when when there's that type of sexual behavior or, or trauma progressing into prostitution and stripping and things like that, a lot of people don't feel comfortable enough to talk about it's it. It's hard but, to talk about. You know, it's such a reality, especially for the young women or, or any anyone. I don't know why I said young women because she's young, I guess, but mm-hmm. or she seems young. I don't know how it's cheap. But it, it's such a big part of so many women's story. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, all that. Using your body, um, having your body being used, you know, being abused, being, you know, the desire of sexual activity through drugs and the drug world. When you're dealing crack, I imagine it's very dicey out there. Uh, Crack is a pretty fucking hardcore drug. So Yeah, well... And the thing about that was that, she, I mean, she, she sold it a long time before she used it. She did yeah. eventually dip into it. But she, you know, all the negative sexual behavior, you know, what I really appreciated is that she's gotten to this level of awareness within herself that she can recognize that it just validated all that negative yeah. thought that she had about herself. Right. Yeah. Like, so she thought she was an object because of the things that happened to her when she was young. And then, you know, she, she fell into that sort of lifestyle for a minute and it just validated all that same thinking (laughs) that she's sort of brought up with. Yeah. That's what we do. Right. See, right. See, I am these things. See, here's, here's this behavior that proves what I already think about myself or what you say about me, you know, whatever negative thing that is. And, you know, I, I appreciate her coming to the other side of that and being willing to, like get better, stay better, and do things to help other people. Oh yeah, you know, that's what I love. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, she's come a long way, man. Like she, you know, she talked about uh, just how you know now she's a mother. She's married. She met her husband Scott in the rooms. They both had some time. Mm-hmm. So you know, like not yeah. quite, not quite the cute story though. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It was a cute story. You know, yeah. I really appreciated that. And and we heard from Scott last week, and yeah, and it was super great. But yeah, man, like they, they seem like a great fit, you know. And I love that they're working together and progressing their channel and progressing their program and working with families and working with addicts and working with each other, getting to, you know doing this thing through the pandemic and having, you know, recognizing that if they don't keep moving forward. They're going to start going backwards. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the disease. You know, that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she, you know, the, the thing about their channel is is choosing recovery um, or choosing dash recovery dot com. Like they say in there is this is something that they put together because of covid. Yeah. There's not a lot of meetings in their area. Yeah. So they, you know, they put this channel together and started reaching out to people on TikTok and wherever. Um, they reached out to us. We've both been on their show. Um, and uh, and they do this to continue their recovery, mm-hmm. right? So this has all been a natural progression for them. Like, yeah. you know, what worked yesterday isn't working now. So they've got to keep moving forward and they've got to keep adding and compounding. And this is the newest thing for them. Yeah. Started a company, like... This is a part of their recovery now. Yeah. And it just so happens that it benefits 
Everybody. Everybody, you know. So how great is that? Like, I really appreciated that part of her story that she talked about the progression of the the good things, the, the progression solution. of the solution, yeah. you know. So we get to see all that, all that full circle, all the negative with all the positive. And it's clear to me that we'd rather have the Olivia that's that's in the world now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Grateful for the past, but but don't want to live there. Nice, nice thing to learn from. Mm-hmm. But don't want to go back there, for sure. For sure, yeah. Yeah, and like her being on this side of the table, being on this side of, of the disease, uh, makes her the better mother, the better wife, the better business owner. You know, all all those things are so beneficial man and having a parent that's taking care of themselves and working on themselves i think is super beneficial for the future of our our families you know Mm -hmm. our children Mm -hmm. having that and having somebody with the experience that she has to be able to share those things with her kid and and knowing that you know your father and i went through this this is what it looks like this is what happens and now you have the education to make an educated decision on how you're going to move forward in the world. These things may come up. This is what we would have done different. You know, all those, yeah, all those yeah. things, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's super dope. So thank you, Olivia. Thank you so yeah. much for, thank you. Um, it was great to have story. you put yourself out there and I, uh, you know, you're so brave and I applaud you for that. Like, no, it's not easy to talk about, but there is somebody out there, probably more than one who's going to get a lot out of that story, yeah. uh, myself included. So thank you. Thank you so much for all you do and, and all that, uh, Scott does as well. And, and, and the Perry, really appreciate that. But for sure. Well, there it is, man. Yeah. That progressed nicely. Oh, you're always so clever. <laughs> I want to think of a progression joke. Let me think real quick. Progress. That's all I got. Well, not very funny, but... <laughs> well, see me in a week. Maybe I'll get better. <laughs> Anyways, man. <laughs> glad to be here. Glad to be here with you, yes, Willie. Sure. Uh, glad to be here with you, Jordan. Um, let's give our intern a hand. Yeah, the intern's over there doing his thing. Yeah. Thanks, intern. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to give him a name. Yeah, we'll figure something out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's call it a day. Um, with that, guys, remember, you are worth the work. We will see you on the other side. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.